listeners, if anybody's there, hopefully somebody's listening. You never know. Well, Tony McNally here again. I haven't podcasted for a while because I've been busy writing books. I've finished my four books series now of the Connor Ryan SES series. So I thought I'd do a little bit more podcasting and what I wanted to get out of the way in case something happened to me and I'm not here to tell the world about my story is what happened to me after I made a tweet on Twitter. Now, I'm going back now to the year 2019 when this all occurred. There was massive media attention in this country and around the world around the Brexit negotiations and vote. Um, All I did, like many of the rest of us, was vote in a referendum. I was asked to vote, so I voted and made my choice. I actually voted for a Brexit to leave the European Union. Um, I completely understand and respect anybody's opinion if they wanted to stay in the European Union. That's what democracy is all about, apparently. Well, as you can imagine, there was a lot of heated debates on the internet, on platforms like Twitter and Facebook. A lot of nasty, nasty comments flying around and a lot of frustration with the way the government was handling it. Um, it's it's hard not to get sucked into debates like that. Uh, with hindsight, maybe I, I shouldn't have bothered. But um, in response to what was going on at the time, back in 2019, I, I made a, a tweet that said, oh, a tongue-in-cheek tweet, maybe we should have a military coup to sort Brexit out. Yeah. I mean, I've read a hell of a lot of worse things and I've had a hell of a lot of worse things sent to me um, via the internet. I didn't think anything about it. It was obviously tongue-in-cheek. How on earth could I start a military coup for a start it's absolutely laughable but anyway that done try to get on with my life until one morning on the 29th of May 2019 I was sat in my living room it was around about 11 o'clock when there was a knock at the door. I opened the door 
and there were two plainclothes police detectives stood there. The first detective who we should call Detective A, I do know their names, but I won't disclose it on this podcast, showed me his warrant card and straight away I thought, oh God, what's happened? Has my wife been involved in a car accident? Because I was on my own. Um, They both told me their names and Detective A said, should we take this inside and entered my property? Not having any idea about what anything was, I had no, uh, you know, I, I did allow them in, although I didn't invite them in, but I didn't stop them. Um, I could, I, I was astounded when they told me that they'd had a report about the tweet, the Brexit tweet. I just, I just couldn't believe the complete and utter waste of time. Police sending two detectives to my house for something like a joke tweet. Um, they told me I hadn't broken any laws and I wasn't being spoken to under caution. At all times, I was polite with the officers involved. And I understand, having been in the military, that they were just following orders from their superiors. It seemed to me they didn't really have a lot of background information about me. Um, they seemed quite surprised when I explained about my post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, they they started to quiz me about it's particularly Detective A. Detective B didn't say much. Detective A quizzed me about what I do through the day, what television I watch, what I was reading what I'm interested in, which I thought was slightly over the top. Um, and then the most worrying, shocking aspect was they mentioned the the shocking murder of the MP, Joanne Cox. What on earth has that got to do with me? Somehow they were linking my type of uh, tweet with inciting people to commit some sort of violent acts, which shocked me even more. Um, but after that, the, the, the more, one of the most worrying th- aspects was Detective A then went on to quiz me in some great detail about the former Barrow and Furnace MP, John Woodcock. Repeat, he repeated several times, he's not liked, is he? He's not liked, is he? People don't like him, do they? 
he's had complaints against him, hasn't he? And I, I felt he was goading me. He was wanting me to say something derogatory about John. I explained to Detective A that I'd campaigned for decades for better mental health treatment for veterans going back way before John Woodcock, back to John Hutton. They've always worked, I've always worked well with, with the MPs in my area that have always been, up until recently, Labour MPs. They're now a Conservative MP, a very good one. Um, I mean, I was even nominated for a Pride of Ulverston Award for my campaigning work. Personally, I have a lot of respect for John Woodlock, John Woodcock, especially for the stance he took against anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Regardless of his political affiliation or his thoughts and feelings on Brexit, that's irrelevant. But these two police officers, I don't believe had much knowledge about any mental health problems. So... I don't believe there was any duty of care considered when they came to my house. These events really, really, really upset me to the point where I couldn't sleep. I was worried. I thought I was going to be arrested for something. I mean, when you when your house, when you get two police officers coming into your house, detectives and they start mentioning stuff like murders of MPs and, you, and, you, and you're talking to a veteran with PTSD about things like that. It is. Or it can trigger you into becoming depressed. And I did feel, at the time, suicidal. And I did wonder whether it'd be just best to take my own life. If it wasn't for one of my, my best friends who has terminal cancer, and he rings me up nearly every day, and he had a good chat with me, he helped me, and we help each other. A buddy-buddy system, that's what veterans do. I thought I was, you're always swimming against the tide with, with mental health, PTSD. I thought I was making good progress with my writing. Um, a few years back, I was hospitalised for almost a year after committing, trying to commit suicide. And I was getting back on track, I thought. This, is, this incident did, didn't do me any good whatsoever. Even someone that didn't have mental health problems it would upset, I would imagine. And I'm glad, for obvious reasons, I didn't succumb to those dark thoughts, as I wouldn't be in a position to let everybody know about this, what really happened. Um, another upsetting aspect to this is the police officers lied and told the bosses that they gave me help 
with mental health charities and numbers and information. I can categorically state I received nothing from them in that regard and they were lying. I just don't want something like this to happen to another, anybody else, whether they're a veteran or not, or a civilian. The consequences of this overzealous police action can, and probably has led to other members of the public in the same position taking their lives that don't have the support. I have the greatest respect for our police officers, and I'm confident the majority would rather spend their time catching criminals. Now, obviously this is just my word against two detectives. I was on my own, so they're never gonna believe anything I say and they'll always, they'll always win. They'll always have the upper hand, but it doesn't stop me putting my case across. Now, instead of, instead of just bottling it all up or, or dragging myself back down into depression. I told my story. My story about the police coming to my house and interrogating me like a terrorist for a joke Brexit tweet. Um, this, this story ended up in a lot of newspapers. Most of the British papers, it was in Indian papers, it was in Russia. I even featured on Russian, RT, Russian television about it. It was just everywhere because it was ridiculous what they did. It was obvious I was no threat. It was obvious it was just a joke tweet. It's just ridiculous. But there it is. That's what you're up against. The thing where it makes me, where I join the dots with all of this. Um, not long after my visit from the police, who pressed and pressed about my former MP, John Woodcock, he was appointed a special government envoy to tackle violent extremism, focusing on the far right. Coincidence. What if I had said something derogatory about John Woodcock and was arrested? Makes you wonder. This was so such a serious matter not just from for me but I think for the system how it was laid out why he was asking me those questions who asked me who reported me um, I wrote to my sitting MP and told him everything that had gone on he wrote back to me and he sent all my information that I'd mentioned about the incident to the Home Secretary, Pretty Patel. 
I just wanted them to realise the devastating effects on someone and their family for generations to come that haven't even broken any laws. I did speak to a solicitor about this and this was nothing to do with any financial gain. I wanted to know who, where the information come from, who had reported me to the police for my Brexit tweet. To my horror, I discovered that I'd been put on the anti-terror and prevent list. Incredible. Now, my solicitors obviously just assume the only reason you get in touch with solicitors is to make money. So, the police would not release or disclose to them who had, where the information come from about the tweet. And they advised me to accept a Part 36 offer which basically could have been uh, a little amount, it's £500. They, they were only interested in whether the police gained legal access to my property, which I disputed. I didn't stop them coming in, I didn't tell them to go away, but I had no choice in the matter, I didn't feel. So, I just want everybody out there in the wider world to know what's going on. At the same time, we had so-called comedians in this country saying on tweets that they'd like to throw, the, the battery acid should be thrown in Nigel Farage's face, right? No action by the police on that whatsoever. None. It was... It's easy for some people to say, just forget about it. Laugh, you know, like, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you weren't arrested. Nothing happened. But you cannot help things like that playing on your minds. It's all part of our anxiety, our depression, our PTSD, our mental illness. And they have made me worse. I'm not a terrorist. I'm not a right-wing extremist. I'm just somebody that voted in a, in a referendum and made a tweet. If I was deliberately wanting to stir something up, why would I have put my real name? Why would I have put my picture on an official Twitter account? I wanted this. The reason I got in touch with solicitors, because I wanted this to go to a court. I wanted to testify in a court of law. I wanted to know why this had happened and how many other people this had happened to. But up to now, I've had absolutely zero, nothing back from the British government whatsoever. And I don't suppose I will. It's a disgrace. And some people won't care because it's not affecting them. But it might do one day. I've completely lost all faith whatsoever 
in the political system in this country, and I mean all parties, and from this moment forward, I am removing myself from the political decision-making. I am never voting for any of them ever again. And that way, I can't be disappointed, can I? So there you have it. That's what happened to me. The police came to my house, accused me of being, well, practically accused me of being a terrorist or a potential murderer. And nothing happens about it. And they can just walk in, do what they want, depending on who you are. If I'd have been, I've thought about it, and if I'd have been a lad that was maybe had a few drinks, was uh, using substance, you know, substance abuse, drugs, um, and, and he was having a bad time of it, and the police visited him, and he said something bad or wrong, how they deemed it, it could have easily been arrested and blocked away. But no one cares about the little man. I'm the little man in here. And I'm talking about the government, the big government. So, obviously, they're right and I'm wrong. I do want to just focus on me writing and get on with whatever life I've got left. But as well, I wanted to put the record straight about what happened to me and what they said. Especially the sinister connection to John Woodcock and why and why they pushed it and who told him to push it and where did it come from? How far up? Was it just all centred around the metropolitan London bubble of the police commissioner's office? Was it just somebody in, a, in an office that ticks a name off a, whoever reports you. You think about the ridiculousness of it. It was it, it was tit-for-tat, political thing. Um, it only takes one person to send a report to the police about a tweet. One person. And the result is two Metropolitan Police officers visiting your property. I live in Cumbria, in the northwest of England. They thought it was that pressing that they needed to do that. Incredible. I fought for this country. I fought in the Falklands War. I was willing to lay down my life for this country, this great country. And I felt that's how I was treated and betrayed by, by them. It's, I just need, that's all, set the record straight. That's what it's all about. Until the banners making podcasts or it gets like North Korea or China where we're not allowed to do anything. It's getting like that now anyway, isn't it? You know, we're not allowed to leave. 
Basically, this is an orphan prison that we're living in the United Kingdom. Everything we do is monitored 24-7. We're not allowed to leave, obviously, because it's a prison, which, bizarrely enough, 8,000 people can visit and fly in every day. But we can't leave. I, I can't get my head around that one. Anybody that didn't have any sort of mental health problems, I'm pretty sure since the COVID-19, they do have now. There'll be an epidemic of it. So, the sooner it gets sorted out, the better. But, it makes me feel a little bit better because I'm telling somebody people know about it and just to be fair and balanced I can tell you that I received overwhelming majority of emails supporting me and saying how ridiculous it is what happened to me some of those emails were from serving police officers and retired police officers who were appalled by the action. That's why I'm saying I do not tar all police officers with the same brush. It's the same everywhere. There is good and bad and corrupt in every walk of life and every business. The police are no different. But you'd think they'd have more important matters to spend time and resources on than investigating a joke tweet about a military coup in Britain. <laughs> a military, it's just, you gotta laugh it off, but it wasn't funny for me. It wasn't funny for me, I can tell you that right now. But I've always been a fighter in the sense of fighting on, living, trying to get on with my life. And making a podcast about it is my way of fighting back at the system, which is broken completely and utterly. I'm just glad that I'm getting to that age now that I've seen the best days of this country. I've had some great times as well as bad times like we all do. But I fear for the future of this country, the path it's taking. And that's one reason why death is actually not something to be feared. You only fear it when you're alive. Death actually is a welcome because it's finished. You don't worry, you don't, you're not in pain. Imagine a, imagine living a thousand years, 10,000 years, no thanks. But the, the reason I did this podcast today as well is I did a podcast, uh, another ex-veteran yesterday, um, and spoke to him about my experiences uh, in the military and it got me thinking, you know, 
I need to do one myself. So here it is. I mean, this will be a, probably a unique because it's about the Brexit and my experiences. And but that's why you talk about your life. Um, but on a positive note, I intend to keep writing. I don't know whether to do maybe standalone one-off novels, thrillers. Um, I think with a series, which I've just done, you can't just keep going and going and going because it can be... I mean, I'm not saying I could run out of ideas, but it can become far-fetched sometimes. There's so many, so many times you can dodge bullets. And I'd just like to say that yesterday, watching the funeral of the Duke of Edinburgh made me really, really proud. Proud to be British and proud to have served among the ranks of those armed forces personnel that immaculately carried out their ceremonial duties to the letter. I'm privileged to have been with them. So, that's that. That's my part in the ridiculous coup takeover of the British government to get Brexit done. Three, two, alpha, out for now.